0: This week on the Jay Doherty podcast, a continued discussion over Trump's racist tweets. Now that he's had the chance to defend himself. Also, tech man Elon Musk is back in the news after proposing chips that are surgically inserted into your brain. I think it
1: has a very good purpose and ultimately to help secure humanity's future. Finally,
0: today is the anniversary of Apollo Eleven. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We'll talk about the historical significance of this event and why some people don't even believe it happened. All that and more on episode 92 of the Jay Doherty Podcast.
2: Jay Doherty Podcast. And now, broadcasting live from downtown Chicago, here's your host, Jay Doherty.
0: That is correct, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to the Jay Doherty Podcast. It is 6.11 p.m. Central Standard Time as we broadcast live from our studios over the world. And uh, before we get rolling, I just want to talk about something I don't really talk about. Uh, This show is actually in many places, and uh, I was just looking at these stats of where people listen to this, and it's actually uh, much wider and larger than you might think if you listen on one platform, and potentially more convenient. So, of course, the big mothership is on the, no, it's a joke, but the, the, big, the big syndication network where all of this comes from through uh, RSS is the website, j-dority.com, so you can get there, uh, get the podcast there. The biggest driver of downloads is on iTunes. So if you get the iTunes uh, podcast application, which comes on all iPhones and iPads, and uh, soon it'll be a separate application on the Mac and macOS Catalina. Uh, Also, uh, if you use Android, like many do, uh, you can listen on Stitcher Radio, which is a third-party app. And if you feel so inclined and you don't want to use Stitcher Radio... You can use Google Play. We have a syndication there as well. You, for some reason, don't want to use any of those for some strange reason, or maybe it's not strange, who knows. Maybe you have a very justifiable reason as to why you don't want to use those four mainstream networks, except for my website, of course. But you can use the Blueberry Network, uh, which is the hosting platform in which this podcast is created upon. And then you can also uh, use the brand new, at least brand new for us, iHeartRadio. We just got on there. You might have saw it on Twitter, JDDJR777, if you want to follow me over there. But uh, we announced the news over there. And for anyone who's listening for the first time to this podcast on iHeartRadio, first of all, welcome. Thank you for listening. But also, let me know. 312-625-8492 is the show number. You can call and text that. It's open 24-7. You can leave a voicemail or just text in your thoughts as the show goes on. I don't have a call screener, so I can't take calls live, but that is the case. We're going to talk about uh, 2020 elections. Kind of steady news, nothing crazy this week about 2020. Uh, but we're also going to talk about something that is the opposite of not crazy. Elon Musk hopes to put a computer chip in your brain. And uh, some people don't think it's outlandish. I kind of do. I mean, I think it's fair to assume that Elon Musk's one of his many ideas is outlandish, because many have have been in the, in the past. We'll also talk about, of course, we have to, as all the uh, mainstream networks talk about in the moon landing. And I don't say that uh, condesc in any condescending tone. I or any any. I mean, I'm just saying it is a very popular talked about subject. But we're going to put a twist on it. They never talk about what the what some people believe about the moon landing. Some people don't even think it happened. Some people thought it was it filmed in a Hollywood TV studio. And some people, those people, are getting a lot of backlash. In fact, the guy who went up and confronted Buzz Aldrin got punched in the face by Mr. Aldrin himself. So talk about that and more but first we got to talk about the 2020 election just a couple days ago CNN announced their next debate and it's full and I don't really care that the debate is happening uh, just as it just that as a fact just that sentence I care about the lineups and the lineups are out and this is where it gets really interesting. in fact I think this is uh, picked very strategically and I don't think it the the lineup could be better in terms of this format, because it's a really interesting diversity of candidates. And some have been bumped down, and some have been bumped up. We'll talk about what that means for their candidates and their campaign as a whole. On the first night, you will see, on the far left of the stage, Marion Williamson, next to Tim Ryan, next to Amy Klobuchar, next to Pete Buttigieg, and then in center stage, you'll see Bernie Sanders and Senator Elizabeth Warren. They will both take the two center stages. It's kind of in a V shape. Beto O'Rourke will be next to Warren. Next to him will be Hickenlooper. Next to him will be John Delaney, and next to Delaney on the farthest right position possible is Mr. Bullock. Now this is an interesting lineup. I really they they mix the people uh, that we don't normally uh, see together, except for on the second night, because Joe Biden and, surprise, Kamala Harris are standing right next to each other, center stage, but the real surprise here is that to the right of them, to the right of Harris, is Andrew Yang, the man himself, he would, he did not, I think he had maybe 30 seconds or less in the whole presidential debate, the last one. And now he's close to center stage. It's pretty good. I think his message is resonating with a lot of people, and I think the uh, political shrews over at CNN and other analysts really uh, are starting to understand the demographic trends in which they sit and look at graphs all day. And the, the graphs they look upon are reflecting that Mr. Yang's message is actually resonating in some way with some people. The second night lineup goes from Mr. Bennett to Kirsten Gillibrand to Julian Castro to Booker. Then in the center, we, next to Booker is Joe Biden. Next to Joe Biden is Kamala Harris. Next to Kamala Harris is Andrew Yang. Then it goes Miss Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, Gabbard, I'm so told that th- is her the correct pronunciation. Jay Inslee is next to Miss Gabbard. Gabbard, and Mayor Bill De Blasio is next to him on the far right. And what's interesting about Bill De Blasio? Uh, this is, uh, I, I found this out independently, to be totally honest. Bill de Blasio has 15,000 tweets on Twitter, with over 1.3 million followers. But on one of his recent tweets, he only has 12 likes, and as little as 30 retweets, Now, that's not totally fair. You might be saying, oh, well, maybe people didn't like it or just they didn't see it. But the max in the last week is 400 recent likes, and the max retweets is 100 recent retweets. And he has over a million followers, over 1.3 million followers. So I asked myself, how is this possible? But before I asked that, I said, well, how does this compare to other presidential candidates? Because I went... And before I looked at Mr. de Blasio, I was looking at Andrew Yang. He has 8.9 thousand tweets, 528 thousand followers, and on his recent likes, he has more than 400. And in fact, the max likes that he's gotten in the past week have been 7,000. That compared to the max 400 of Mr. Bill de Blasio. So, what is it better to have? More followers? Less likes and retweets? Or, uh less followers and more likes and retweets crazy it really is well I actually got so obsessed over this that I went and made the whole list in a whole uh graph just like the uh political analysts at CNN the graphs they look upon Amy Klobuchar has 9,000 tweets 730,000 followers she has up to 9,000 recent likes and up to 1,000 retweets Pete Buttigieg has 9,000 tweets Uh, about 1.3 million followers, up to 20,000 recent likes and 3,000 retweets. The man himself, Joe Biden, has just 2,000 tweets. That's lower than all of these people. But he has four times the followers of the max of all these people. In fact, uh, he has more followers than all the people I've just read combined. He has uh, 10,000 at the max recent likes in the past week. And uh, let's just see here on this graph. 600 on the max retweets. You know who has more than Joe Biden? In fact, double what Joe Biden has. Bernie Sanders is 8.5 million followers, 20,000 tweets, more than 20,000 recent likes in the past week, and 30,000 retweets. That's the most retweets out of everyone on this list. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that more followers means you're more famous and more popular, but it's a known fact that in political uh, campaigning, in fact, the whole basis of democracy is built off of candidate-person interaction, even if that seems to be altered with by the Russian government. That's besides the point. The the, the thing is, with all of this stuff, is that social media helps people, it helps candidates get their message out. And the more people they have following their message, just like they follow a Twitter profile, the more traction they'll gain with the general public. Especially on such a large platform Like Twitter. Julian Castro on this list has the least amount of followers, 329,000. He did great in the first debate. Hopefully he can prove himself in the second debate. He has uh, upwards of 600, that's the max, on the past week, and uh, as many as 200 retweets in the past week. So, none of these stats are surprising. The one outlier is Bill de Blasio. He 12 likes. He has over 1.3 million followers. Pete Buttigieg has just around the same number of followers. And he gets 4,000 at the bare minimum, with 20,000 being the max. Bill de Blasio gets 12 at the bare minimum, 400 being the absolute max. Bill de Blasio gets less recent likes and less retweets combined, subtracted, or multiplied than Julian Castro with only 329,000 followers and 30 to 200 retweets with 300 to 600 uh, tweets. So what I'm going to do, or what I'm going to try to do, is document the growth that each candidate has had in the past week, or in the following weeks to come, see what happens, see what that means, and then compare that to who becomes the nominee and subsequently the President of the United States. And I'm not going to include Donald Trump in this, because he has a lot of followers, in fact, far more, probably double than all of these candidates combined. Uh, And so I'm not going to follow that, because it's kind of irrelevant, and I think his base is so solid that maybe... You'll see the numbers fluctuate up and down, but they'll stay pretty much the same. Donald Trump has 62.1 million followers compared to Bernie Sanders' 8.5 million followers. That's the max on this list. So if you combine all those, much less than 60 million. So those are the 20 debates. I'll read them all in no particular order whatsoever. Michael Bennett, Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Steve Bullock, Pete Buttigieg, Julian Castro, Bill de Blasio, John Delaney, Tulsi Gabbard, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, John Hickenlooper, uh, Jay Inslee, Amy Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, Tim Ryan, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Marion Williamson, and Andrew Yang. Those are the 20 candidates you will see on the debate stage. Anyone else that is in the race, like Mr. Wayne Massam, the former mayor of Miami, has been rendered useless and irrelevant by the mainstream media. So that's just a fact. Uh, he, I don't think he will get any more debate time. I think he's still in the race. But he has not been in any debates. Uh, To my knowledge, perhaps he's been on small forums, but nothing big. And his campaign is not seeing much growth in terms of dollars or anything else. You know, it's really interesting. I was talking about this earlier. John Hickenlooper is still on this stage. And before CNN released this, just about a week or maybe two weeks before, and I even talked about this on a previous episode. I think it was episode 88 or something like that. CNN wrote an article saying that the uh, Hickenlooper campaign is in shambles, suggesting that they would run out of money in just less than a month, and the less than a month deadline as of right now would be in about maybe six or seven days, and they're putting him front and center on the debate, which will happen in 10 days, or 11 days, depending on who you are and where you're watching from. Perhaps it'll be 12 days in some countries. The debate will be hosted in Detroit on July thirty-first and the thirtieth, right before August. So that's what you need to know. You know uh, Kamala Harris. So oh, that that lady, yeah, she uh, broke Joe Biden's ribs. In the words of the fine man Jimmy Kimmel, uh, CNN said that the that Kamala Harris is not only Joe Biden's problem. They write, there's lots of focus on the fact that the former vice president and the California senator who dunked on him over his record on busing in the first debate will be standing next to another, to uh, one another in the July 31st debate, which is true. They're both front and center. Don't overlook the other side of Biden, writes Saliza. The New Jersey senator, Cory Booker, is... Right to this, the left of him, and people are saying he might uh, make significant improvements to his style of debate and talking, and potentially the subsequent growth of his poll numbers. Is that true? Who knows? I don't know. From what I've seen, he really is just so overtrained on how to speak on the talking points. I watched the uh, interview he did with the Breakfast Club, and uh, he was really glued to those talking points. Who And even while Kamala Harris is not gr- glued to her talking points as Mr. Booker is, she knows how to deliver a story, how to illustrate a picture in one's mind in a way that no other candidate that I've seen in modern political history knows how to do. She was recently on Jimmy Kimmel in which uh, they had a discussion about the feud they both share that being Joe Biden and Kamala Harris they have a mutual uh relationship one that was actually ended when she made those bussing comments and Jimmy Kimmel had this to say about it you got a big boost at the debate when i think you broke two of Joe Biden's ribs at that debate are you aware of that
2: do you have any regret uh of going in so so hard on him
3: you know i i felt strongly that the that we needed to have a full discussion about that era in our country. And um, it was a discussion that had been occurring for probably about two weeks before the debate. And I felt the need to to be sure that we are reflecting true history as it relates to integration of the schools and and the need to force integration, because there were so many states that were adamant against um, allowing the children of, of, of all races to be educated together. And I'll tell you, Jimmy, I have had so many people come up to me and almost whisper like it's a secret among us. Black and white, I was bust since that debate. It's something that there, it has not been the subject of much discussion in the last you know, few decades, but it is something that impacted millions of people in our country. And yeah. I think it's an important. It's a, an important reminder that, that we have to always remember our history and the last chapter if we're going to accurately and, and correctly write the next chapter.
0: So she, you see that she writes, she, she inserts those talking points cleverly. She used the big one when, uh, in the first debate, or the first thing she that came out of her mouth was they don't want a food fight. They want to know how to put food on their table. And Joe Biden, who was at that time, but soon not to be, literally about 30 minutes not to be, uh, her friend clapped at her, not in really a sarcastic way. Potentially, maybe that's what he was trying to convey. Maybe that's what Harris received, given her then-future attack, attacks on him. But who knows? I don't know. This is going to be an interesting race. I, I, As of right now, I do not see anyone on that stage being a prize, let's just say. I, I, I don't, you know, many times before maybe 2012, there's kind of been a clear picture in one's mind as to who might be the candidate or who might be the nominee or who might even be the president. And we thought, or at least the liberal cities in which the polling was conducted, the only cities in which the polling conduct was conducted, that uh, Hillary was going to win. I thought that because I was told that, and I thought she was far more rational. So those two things combined really makes one feel that she is going to be the president. And then on two a.m. two a.m. on uh, Saturday, July er, or sorry, on uh, January twentieth, it is announced that Donald Trump is going to be the president. Speaking of Mr. Trump, we got to move on and give you some updates, probably for the last time, unless some breaking news happens, about his tweets. Go back. Those are the words that came out of uh, his supporters' mouth. Or, Well, I guess they said send her back, but he said in a tweet, just to refresh your memory... The full quote was so interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt, and inept anywhere in the world if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back and help fix their totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came? Then come back and show us how it is done. These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi would be happy to work out free travel arrangements. That's a really funny joke, Mr. President. Uh, Travel arrangements, yeah. But... It is a racist thing to say, and probably the epitome, the, the most known racist trope one could say, go back to where you came from, that's what he said, and that's what his supporters said. But before we talk about that, we have to give some context as to what he said more broadly, the context in which he presents about them as people.
1: Tonight I have a suggestion for the hate-filled extremists. Who are constantly trying to tear our country down. They never have anything good to say. That's why I say, hey, if they don't like it, let them leave. Let them leave.
0: And that's what he says. So that's the context that he brings. And that was the day after his tweet, which was tweeted at 5.27 a.m., presumably with him sitting on a toilet. But that is what's happening. That's what he said. That's what he reiterated verbally as opposed to textually in his tweet. Then he goes on and talks about uh, Al-Qaeda for a while, claiming that uh, the the squad is somehow supported or directly in connection to Al-Qaeda or supporting their message or defending them in some way, which... Uh, to be honest, I haven't read the timeline. I haven't read the facts about that. Perhaps they've said comments. I really... I, I'm not trying to say, like, oh, I read it. I'm trying to hide it. Maybe they did. I I just didn't do my research. But Trump says uh, that they need to send them back. And that's preceded... Or I'm sorry. Uh, succeeded by a chant from his supporters. But before, let's hear Donald Trump and then the chant afterwards. Omar!
1: Has a history of launching vicious anti Semitic screeds.
0: So it goes on for a while before he talks. They are chanting, if you can't tell, send her back. I was watching live then, and a lot of people were saying, well, uh, how could you say this? How could you let this go on? Which is a very fair question. It's a racist thing to say. You would think he might shut them up. In fact, he thought he shut, he shut them up, but he lied through his teeth, literally. This is undeniably a lie. You can ask anyone on the street who understands, comprehends the English language and the basic fundamentals of time zoning how this happened. One of the reporters in the Oval Office at a an event that he was holding, a very good event, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, asked him basically what were you doing, and why were you encouraging it, or to put it better, not encouraging it? He said,
1: When your supporters last night were chanting, "Send her back." Why didn't you stop them? Why didn't you ask them to stop saying that? Well, number one, I think I did. I started speaking very quickly. It it really was a loud. I disagree with it, by the way, but it was quite a chant, and uh, I felt a little bit badly about it. But I will say this: uh, I did, and I started speaking very quickly. But it started up rather. Rather fast, as you probably noticed.
0: So, he says that he disagrees with it. Well, if you disagree with it, why did... I mean, they wouldn't be chanting that if you didn't say that. I mean, seriously. They would probably just say, boo. He he probably wouldn't even mention them if he were not to tweet about them. In fact, I actually thought maybe he did this just as a political move because his 2020... uh, The Democrats have been getting so much attention in the media... Maybe he just did this as a move to get more attention because that's all they've been talking about. That's all I've been talking about. So if that is the strategy, it is doing quite well. In that response, defending himself to that reporter, Trump said, "Uh, I tried to stop it. Let's listen to what he had to say one more time and then I'll cut it off just a little bit earlier.
1: Your supporters last night were chanting, "'Send her back.' Why didn't you stop them? Why didn't you ask them to stop saying that?" Well, number one, I think I did. I started speaking very quickly. So
0: he says, he says, he says that he started speaking very quickly. Well, let's hear that full chant in context, and we'll count the seconds as the chant continues.
1: Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds.
0: Alright, so one, two, three, four. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and then he starts talking when that clip ends. So, between 13 and 14 seconds is the amount of time that it took for him. So, I don't know if that's exactly the quickest way you could respond. In fact, I know that it's not the quickest way you could respond, so I don't know how he could make that claim. The day before this whole interchange in defense happened, but after the supporters screamed this, Nancy Pelosi was on the House floor uh, defending basically what happened and saying that this should never happen in the Congress, this should never happen to anyone in America. Every single member of this institution, Democratic and Republican, should join us in condemning the president's racist tweets to do anything less would be a shocking rejection of our values and a shameful abdication of our oath of office to protect
3: the American people. I urge an unanimous vote and yield
0: back the balance of my... So the equivalent to Nancy Pelosi in the Republican Party is Mr. Kevin McCarthy. Now this man, I've said before that he he has a lot of uh, political ambitions. Very conservative man, he's a representative. He is a Republican, and he is the House Minority Leader. So because the—I mean, this is kind of obvious, but for the I just want to educate because this goes over all the time. They never talk about what this actually means on the big networks. Kevin McCarthy, the uh, representative, he's a House Minority Representative because there are more Democrats in the House than there are uh, in—sorry. The, the Democrats have a majority in the House. There's 435 representatives in the House of Representatives—House uh, of Representatives— uh, more than 230 of them I think it's 235 are Democrats and 197 are uh, Republicans so there's always a majority because obviously 435 isn't uh, a, a odd number and so when you divide it, it's 217.5 and you can't have half of a person uh, at least half of a person represented as one in a uh, Congress, uh, Yeah, in in, in Congress, but uh, he is the House Minority Leader. He represents the 22nd District. None of that matters, but you just have to know that he has a leadership role in the Republican Party, specifically, basically, the equivalent of... Nancy Pelosi, he's just a Republican, he said this about the comments. No,
2: and I do not believe the Speaker of the House was racist last week other when when those individuals on her side of the aisle who are claiming the president's racist, when they claim she was racist either. I do not believe that. I believe this is about ideology. This is about socialism versus freedom. And it's very clear what the debate is happening. Um, I understand when I listened to their press conference yesterday, they talked more about impeachment than anything else. Even one of those individuals. This see wasn't see the how first he deflects about impeachment. On the he night deflects, you
0: morning. know. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I mean that's what politicians do all the time. But there's a certain talent in which you can deflect in a natural way without being cut off, especially when you're being asked a question. And he's doing that in a great way. And you have to know how to do that if and when you are the president of the United States. He is not, but I think he has the ambition to. Among the others, as we've said, Pramila J. Paul, Hakeem Jeffries, and Ted Lieu, from all Democrats. Pramila is from uh, Washington. Hakeem Jeffries is from New York. And uh, Ted Liu is from California. I was talking about these people's responses, but I forgot Ted because he had a particularly moving story. And I had this in my lab, all queued up to play, but I forgot to play it last episode. So this is Ted's story. Uh, Mr. Liu. he's a representative uh, from uh, California. Same great state that Nancy Pelosi represents. He said this about the Trumps, uh, the president... President Trump's uh, racist comments and tweets. I am
1: an immigrant. I'm a person of faith, and I served on active duty in the United States military because I love America. Yet throughout my life, I've had people tell me to go back to China or Japan or North Korea. And like many immigrants, when I get that go back insult, it is hurtful. It makes me feel like I don't belong here in this country. Exactly. And make no mistake, when people tell me to go back to where I came from, That is a racist insult because it's based on race. If I was white, they would not tell me to go back to China. That's exactly. I experienced that insult because my race happens to be Asian. But the good news is that Americans at record high levels support immigrants We are not going anywhere. America is our home. and I will still be standing here long after the occupant of the White
0: House leaves. So that's very true, and I respect everything that he says. But the thing that you really have to remember, the the, uh, ironic thing, is all these people, except for one, were born here. Ilhan Omar immigrated when she was 10. Really, against her will. But, anyway, that's irrelevant. So... You know, she she basically has the same experience as an American. What makes Donald Trump more American than any of these people? And Ilhan Omar, he was—I mean, his mother is first-generation immigrant from Scotland. And if you ask where his father's from, you'll get a lot of different responses. He's—and <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, you have to watch the video. We'll have it linked on the website, j-dehorty.com. Basically, Trump has asked multiple times where his father is from. Uh, and he says Germany— uh, but it, his father is not from uh, Germany. Uh, there's a lot of um, uh, documents that were, you know, created uh, that suggest otherwise. Uh, so and that's pretty interesting. Uh, he was born in the Bronx, uh, Fred Trump. But uh, Trump says that he's from Germany. We'll have that video linked to all those different places. Even when he was younger, he said. His father was born in Germany. So I don't know what that... I mean, the man himself. He cannot get his facts right, and he constantly lies. As we've seen. guess that makes a good politician, but when you're saying bad things, it doesn't really uh, add up to be so great. And people, even outside of politics, are realizing how bad this has gotten. In fact, ESPN host Dan Lebetaud called... His own network, quote, cowardly for not addressing President Donald Trump and his supporters' racist remarks about Democratic congresswomen of color. So uh
2: what happened last night uh, this this felt uh un American, what happened last night, okay? Uh basically a chant send her back is not yeah, you know, it's not the America that that my parents came to get for us, for exiles, for brown people, like there's a racial division in this country that's being instigated uh, by the president. And we here at ESPN haven't had the stomach for that fight because Jamel did some things on Twitter and you saw what happened after that. And then here, all of a sudden, nobody talks politics on anything unless we can use one of these sports figures as a meat shield in the most cowardly possible way to discuss these subjects. But what happened last night at this rally is deeply offensive. What has happened to minorities in this country? They're old and dying. Jim Brown walks with a cane, man. He walks with a cane. He's gonna go to the grave without having seen change. He's gonna go to the grave with Colin Kaepernick still out of the league, Black, literally blackballed because we're taking this stuff and making it about the flag when it's not about the flag. It's about race, it's like burning a cross and saying it's about God. This isn't about the flag. It's are you? This is deeply offensive. To me, as somebody whose parents made all the sacrifices to get to this country, send her back. How are you any more American than her? You're more privileged. You're whiter. You're richer. But people don't know whether your money's real or not. You've had every privilege afforded to you by America. Every privilege. And now what you do with that power is you go after brown people and black people and minorities. And around here, we won't talk about it. It is antithetical to what we should be.
0: It is exactly, and I think he's talking about his network there, but it also applies to him and his base and and the people who support him. And I'm not saying that everyone agrees with him who supports him. I know a lot of people who thought that tweet, including four Republicans, currently representing some folks in the um, House of Representatives who voted to condemn his acts. Of course, that makes a majority. Even if they didn't vote, it'd still be a majority, but I digress, that's still the point. And... You know, what he said in that rant, especially in the past, in the last about 45 seconds, could not resonate more. It was very accurate. we got to move on now. We're at about the 34-minute mark at the moment, and now we have to talk about our fabulous sponsor, Blueberry. They are a hosting platform in which you can sign up for. If you use my name, J A Y D O A G R T Y at checkout, you can get a month free of their service. Their service is podcast hosting. So if you want to have a podcast, if you're just getting started, or you have billions and billions of listeners, go to Blueberry.com. You can have your podcast on the largest podcast directory in the world. They have top-notch CDN. They have support for Twitter, Facebook, iTunes Podcast, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, WordPress, so all of that's taken care. of. there's even a free option, and if you, but I recommend actually getting the higher grade podcast statistics and media distribution. So all of it's taken care for at a, t- taken care of at a very small rate of five dollars a month. But if for some reason you want to cancel, you can do that because you get a month free if you use my name J A Y D O H E R T Y at checkout. That is J A Y D O H E R T Y at checkout. One month free of Blueberries. S- spectacular service. We thank Blueberry for their support of the show. We got to move on now to Elon Musk. You know that man. He's been out on the news for a while, but he's back in and he hopes to put a computer chip in your brain. This week he said that a computer chip connected to exceptionally slender wires with electrodes on them is all going to be embedded into a person's brain by a surgical robot. The implant would connect wirelessly to a small behind-the-ear receiver that could communicate with a computer. Now, Neuralink is the company that is partnering to do this. And his goal, basically, in all of this, the end goal, the highest goal, the one that he's trying to reach, to reach is mental telepathy. <laughs> That's kind of interesting, isn't he? He's, he's crazy. He announced this at a 30-minute event that happened on July 16th at the uh, California Academy of Science Sciences. And there was a six-page document that he uh, displayed, or that he did display at the event, but was referenced, because Elon Musk and Neuralink created this six-page document, and it outlines the abstract information, the introduction, the threads, uh, the robot, as well as all the other details, including the electronics and the electrophysiology and all of this, how it could work, and how he's partnering with other people to make it work. There's a lot of research that went into this uh, document. (laughs) In fact, the uh, sources page is three pages long. So, that is interesting. Uh, In fact, now that I'm looking at it, it's ten pages, but the shortened version is six pages. Musk said that human trials could start by the end of next year, but uh, it hasn't gotten approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for a study to prove that this wouldn't kill you. But no no worries there, because you could buy it off the black market, and it has been tested on rats and monkeys, so I hope that makes you feel better. Uh, the general idea and their motivation, I think, are spot on, according to Andrew Schwartz. Very smart man. He's a professor of neurobiology at the University of Pittsburgh and a pioneer in the brain-machine interface field. I reached out to him, um, and there are a lot of really interesting studies that he published, all with very... Long, complicated titles about the in-depth sciences behind behind neurophysiology. He published a study uh, on July 15, 2012 entitled Behavioral and Neural Correlates of Visual Motor Adaption Observed Through a Brain-Computer Interface in a Primary Motor Cortex, just to name one. Published another one, uh, and these are just interesting because I like all the words, and even though I have no idea at all about anything relating to or in correlation to neurophysiology. Published another study called Recording from the Same Neurons Chronically in Motor Cortex, and he also created another one um, entitled Population Vector Code, a Geometric Universal As Actuator. Very small minority on the planet that seems to understand this stuff. I, unfortunately, am not in that minority. But it's an interesting idea that Mr. Musk has, and I think he's going to work with Neuralink. It, I mean, <laughs> he's kind of crazy. He said in a recent interview that uh, that he's going to... He said at this event that he's going to be able to do this sometime within the next couple of years, maybe less. He said about in a year and a half. But you have to remember how insane he is. He said that uh, Musk... Uh, Musk said in an interview that he... Uh, could get humans to Mars, in fact, his exact words were that he could get humans to Mars in four years, and it sounds, quote, doable to him. But, back to this device, it looks like a hearing aid, actually, it's the closest thing it looks to, like, there's prototypes that were displayed, and, you know, I think this is an interesting uh, thing, I don't doubt that he will try to do it, I don't know if he will succeed in it, but I think... This is just another one of his crazy ideas. And um, who knows? I might be too cynical or too loose or who knows. What do you think? The show number is 312 625 8492. Call, or text any time of the day or night. It's open 24 7 right here on the JD Media Network. In fact, I want to tell you more about how JD Media is everywhere along with the Jay Doherty podcast because we have to take a break at the 40 minute mark. The J. Doherty podcast is available almost everywhere on the JD Media Network. Get it live and right after on j Doherty.com or surf your favorite podcast directories right after the broadcast. The J. Doherty podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Podcast, Apple TV, the Blueberry Network, and we just started with iHeart Radio. Tune in anytime, anywhere. The J. Doherty podcast is online and on demand right here on the JD Media Network.
2: The latest world and national news on technology, politics, and more. Listen live to the J Dorty Podcast on J Dorty.com.
0: We've got to take a break. We'll be right back on the J Dorty Podcast at 6.51 p.m. on Saturday, July 20th, 2019. You're listening right now, right here to the J Dorty Podcast brought to you in part by Blueberry. We thank them for their spectacular support of the show. We will be right back in two minutes. J. Dougherty podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Right back here, right now, on the J. Doherty Podcast. You know, this is episode 92, and it's currently 654, Saturday, July 20th, 2019. If you're listening on the live stream, if you're listening on the podcast, like many do, welcome back. Uh, in eight more episodes, eight more episodes, yes, I believe, well, yeah, we're on 92, so yeah, eight more ep- I thought we were on 93, so I do not want to be incorrect. Uh, eight more episodes, we're doing a live special event. Right here on the Jade Dougherty Podcast for the 100th episode of the Jade Dougherty Podcast where I will be taking your questions live or pre-recorded on the Jade Dougherty Podcast. So if you want to be a part of that, please call, text, probably text your questions in or call, whatever you want, at 312-625-8492. You can also tweet me at JDDJR777 for any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints, preferably questions that you may have about... This fine podcast. That's just a quick programming note. I'll remind you at the end of the show as well. But before we get to any of that, I want to talk about a new subject. The moon landing happened 50 years ago today, Saturday, July 20th. Olivia McCle- McKee reports from Florida today that the uh, about a whole conspiracy group that continues to believe that uh, man did not land on the moon, and that is a scam uh, invented by the government. In fact, the a man uh, went up uh, to Buzz Aldrin and by a man named Bart Seabro. He's 55 year old 55 years old and he's from Tennessee. He has he actually was punched in the face by Buzz Aldrin, the astronaut who one of the astronauts who landed on the moon this is done or at least uploaded in 2017 and this is the exchange perhaps you can visualize it if you can't we'll put it on the website j-dorty.com but here is the exchange with him and the uh astronaut.
1: kettle black if I ever thought of it. saying Will I misrepresented you get it away from me you're a coward and a liar and a thief
0: and there's that slow motion playback we'll have that listed on the website j-dorty.com now to be fair he was kind of uh, pushing him and if you did land on the moon, which I assume, I'm giving them the benefit of the uh, many evidence pieces of evidence that suggest that it could be a doubt. Uh, uh, Buzz Aldrin, I could understand why he'd be mad. Uh, because, truly, it was a large victory point for America at that time. Still a victory point. Of course, we were competing against Russia, now we are on the same playing field as them. We try to be like them, at least this administration does, or has been. Uh, so, that's, that's what happened. The video that I'm watching uploaded in 2017 happened in 2002. He was, Aldrin was not prosecuted for violence because police determined he'd been provoked and that punch earned him accolades from many fed up with the conspirators. I understand that, I wouldn't want him to be prosecuted. I also wouldn't want that guy to be in trouble for anything. I mean, he was just trying to get a response from him. One that he would never get, but he wanted to go up there and be a part of it, and uh, that's that's what happened. Now, Mr. Seabro, there's a great documentary on Netflix, I believe. That's where it was, detailing what all this means, uh, the potential, the potential uh, special effects, the so-called media production company used, the theorized media production company used to make this whole deal possible. I think they landed on the moon. I think there's plenty of evidence to suggest that they didn't, uh, and I'm certainly open to suggestions as to why they didn't or recommendations as to believe differently. If you have any uh, of those... Please let me know, j-doherty.com or 312-625-8492. The USA Today article, or the Florida Today article, writes: Yet a half a century later, despite other moon landings, moon rocks, and first-hand accounts from countless members of the 400,000-strong workforce who helped achieve JFK's goal, some still believe the moon landings were staged in a Hollywood studio. The deniers claim the government and the CIA are all behind the cover-up photos. To deceive Americans. In fact, a poll conducted uh, for C-SPAN by Ipsos in June of 2019 revealed that six percent of Americans believe the moon landing was staged. Six percent. Ninety-four percent believe that leaves ninety-four. One would assume ninety-four percent of the uh, of America believes that it is real, but that's not the case. Fifteen percent. They said they didn't know. They're speculatory as to whether it is not, r- as to whether it is fake or real. So that's what it stands for. And if you want to watch the documentary about this and more, there's a whole series on the, the fine Netflix, which is rapidly losing subscribers and subsequently money. You can listen to it and watch it there on Netflix. That's all I want to talk about, really. I mean, we could talk about uh, the uh, historical significance and why it would make sense for if they couldn't get this mission to actually occur in a way that would make you know, that would happen in, in a way that is efficient and everything. Uh, and they couldn't get it done because JFK, in a very famous speech, said, you know, we're going to put man on the moon, and this is the goal, this is the deadline, and if we don't do it, then we failed as a country. And they didn't want to fail as a country because the country needed to be better. It needed to be better than Russia. It needed to be better than the USSR. So, staying the moon landing as a Cold War CIA and Nixon administration deception That's what Mr. Seabro says. He said that it was a compilation of riveting and compelling evidence that reveals the entire space program to be a hoax. Don't tell that to Mike Pence. Seabro said his evidence consists of recordings, photographic analysis, and high-profile interviews with those involved in the space program. Not a single critic has ever explained in the federal government's alleged picture from the moon how to how two shadows in sunlight from objects five feet apart from one another can intersect at ninety degrees. That is a very relevant point, uh, and I actually recommend you watching it. There was an interview that I watched a while back about how they de- they defended that there were um there was light coming from the sun, uh, but if you were told that these images were, you know, if you didn't know any better, I could understand how one would view these images to be, uh, you know, fake. I understand why. But I don't want to make any assumptions, so please, the government, I don't want you to kill me. Uh, I'm just I'm just reporting on the facts here. That's pretty much it for this episode of the Jade Hardy Podcast. If you have any comments, questions, concerns about the moon landing, 2020 presidential election, uh, or Mr. <laughs> Elon Musk, please call the number 312-625-8492. I'm afraid I'm going to have to leave you. Long episode today, good episode though. 51 minutes and uh, 9 seconds as we record right here on the podcast. Uh, that is for the podcast audience. The Let's see, how long has this stream been going? According to my monitor, 1 hour and 19 minutes. So you guys had to wait a little while. We solved everything and we're back in business on the J Doherty Podcast. Stay tuned for episode 100. We'll have that. Uh, we'll try to have that done by the end of the month of July, perhaps the beginning of the next month. Let me know if you like this whole new content style right here on the J Doherty Podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we hope you come back. Again, that phone number is 312-625-8492. We'll have episode 93, Uh, not tomorrow, but the next day. And if you're listening to this, please continue to listen to it and recommend it to a friend and rate it on iTunes and any other place you get it from. Appreciate everyone being here for this episode of the J. Doherty Podcast. We will be back in business back for episode 93. Again, this show brought to us by the wonderful sponsors of Blueberry, We appreciate their support. We hope you come back for next week to talk about more news, technology, and more right here on the Jay Doherty Podcast.